Welcome to the Who Needs Instructions podcast, the podcast that wants to get men talking. So welcome back then to another episode of Who Needs Instructions, and I'm delighted to say that I've got a fantastic guest for you this week. His name is Ollie Magnus, and Ollie has a great story to tell. So Ollie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Fantastic. So Ollie, first of all, just tell us um, what it is that you do for, for a living, please. Okay, well, so I'm the CEO. I don't really like that term. It's very American, isn't it? But there was already a managing director here of Magnus Group, uh, based in Ipswich, and we have 300,000 square foot of warehousing, 60-odd trucks, and we have a freight department down in Felixstowe, based next to the port. Um, this My father started this business in 1973, and unfortunately, he died in 2018. I had a business fallout coinciding at the same time, sold my shares in my freight forwarding business, and bought out my dad's business partner who had 40% of Magnus Group. And uh, so effectively, I bought in 40% and the other 40% went to my stepmom, who I get on well with. So um, essentially uh, bringing the, the, the Magnus Group back to the Magnus family. Got really. it. Yeah, fantastic. Um, obviously, you know it's uh, it, it's always difficult when um, you know a, a family member passes away, um, uh, and we'll get into the story a bit more. But what kind of immediate effect did that have on you, Ollie? Um, oh, uh, it wasn't a positive one financially. Mm. <laughs> um, no, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, that my mum's still alive, and that was my first parent dying and it, it kind of knocked me for six to be honest it was it was a, di a real difficult one I, I struggled to to handle it I guess um, and I had no intention of really buying into this business um, but something kind of made me or pushed me this way to think it was it was the right thing for me to do it was a huge gamble to be honest because the business had been unloved for a long while um, but it just kind of felt it was the thing I needed to do. So time will tell whether that was the right thing to do or not. But I didn't want to, you know, I have a big thing, never die wondering. And I don't. I think I was the only person on the planet who would have bought 40% of this, of a business, let alone this one. Right. Uh, and if I hadn't, I, I'd probably never have forgiven myself if it had, if it had gone, uh, which, to be perfectly honest, I, I'm... 99% sure it would have done with everything that happened with the pandemic and everything. So, um, yeah, lots of hard work, but lots of hard work ahead, really. But. Yeah, so, so that's the business you're running today. And, you know, it, it, things things looking up. I mean, everything is beginning to open up again. And we're recording this episode at the end of May. So uh, how is business looking as we speak? It's, uh, yeah, it basically, I came in here and it was kind of a 9 million turnover. Mm -hmm. We're we're probably pushing twenty two, twenty four now in just sixteen months. Okay. So, so the growth has been huge, but obviously, with that brings lots of issues and lots of problems. But we've had a period of one of my directors here describes it as breaking it to fix it. Um, so we've kind of had to rip a lot up to start again, and we're we're just starting to. We had a really positive March. Um, which is good. Um, and then um, 
yeah, somebody somebody described it to me the other day as um, a basket full of puppies or kittens, actually, basket full of kittens, mm-hmm. trying to keep them all in in the basket, is is this is the the challenge, and it's it's a pretty difficult thing to do. So. How many? <clears throat> excuse me. How many staff have you got there, Ollie? A uh, hundred and thirty. Now, I've never run a business that size, but I'm told that potentially the most difficult thing is actually staff um, without, you know, saying, oh, you're all, you know, you're all nightmare. But, you know, looking after individuals must be quite difficult. Yeah, it's pro- probably the hardest part of managing a business is managing the people because everybody needs managing in a different way. Some need a arm around the shoulder, some need a bollocking, some need just positivity. Um, You know, I'm not really the kind of bollocking type of person. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more the arm around the shoulder and making, trying to make people feel inclusive and part of the team. Um, But sometimes people need a bollocking to get the best out of them. But there's always something, there's always something going on with somebody. And, and would you say that your arm around the shoulder approach in your industry is unique or unusual? Uh, good question. Um, <laughs> it's certainly, you know, I came from a business where the arm around the shoulder approach was not really the way that it happened. I, I was still the same. Um, it's just the way I, I've always been. I, I think you get more out of people if you look after them and respect them. And that they ultimately respect you, you know, trust and respect are two way things, mm. you know, somebody hollering at you, making you feel pretty shit doesn't tend to get the best out of people. It's just my view, you know? Yeah. Now, I, I take you back to, now, was it, was it January this year that you posted your post on LinkedIn? It was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was end of January, about 6.30 in the morning. And was it a was it a Monday morning? Was it the beginning of the week? It was actually a Friday. Oh, okay. It was a Friday, and it was totally not a preconceived idea. It mm-hmm. was just off. The, I had I don't sleep very well, so I had I hadn't slept well. So I'd, rather than sit and stare at the ceiling, uh, I tend to get up and get into the office. And I just came in, had a cup of coffee, and do you know what? Something it was a bit weird. Something just it just came out. And then didn't really think anything of it. I thought, well, that's going to go one or two ways. Um, and went off. I actually had a meeting at eight o'clock. So I reckon I posted it about half six and it started to get a bit of traction. And I had a meeting at eight o'clock and I came out and my phone had gone absolutely nuts with LinkedIn, um, uh, well, the notifications, yeah. et cetera. And then it, it just carried on. It, it just went went absolutely crazy, to be honest. It's it's now known infamously, shall we say, as the this man is LinkedIn post. Yeah. Um. And like you say, you you you'd had a bad night's sleep. I'm guessing work is is a constant kind of you know in your brain. You're always thinking about it as you as you run the place. Yeah. Uh, and and was did you just kind of download everything onto LinkedIn then? Was that was that your intention? Uh, there was no real intention. There was no real thought. No real intention. I guess. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Why? Why I did it? Mm. You know, I've said before I didn't. I didn't drive in thinking. Do you know what? This is what I'll do. It just happened. I've always found writing things easier than talking. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly things that have happened to me over the 
the years and that and that was that's probably one of the problems I've had is that I ha- I didn't I haven't talked enough I haven't I never used to you know I used to bottle things up now everybody tells you you know your mum your sister your wife if you bottle things up it all explodes they're all right but you still do it don't you um we do yeah and we are, we all know it's right but it's just difficult you know and it, and it it is difficult to sit and talk and you have to also speak to the right people because I've got, I've got friends that I've known for years. I wouldn't dream of opening up to them because it's law to me. Right. You know, um, and, and in the last couple of years, um, probably the last year or something, probably since my dad died, actually, I've, I kind of become a bit more open, but more open in writing. I still, I still don't talk about an awful lot of things, mm-hmm. but I find I find I find it quite cathartic to 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 write things down, mm-hmm. um, and I think it did did me a, a lot of good. To be well, I mean, you know, I'm a I journal on a daily basis, so I get stuff out of my brain onto a piece of paper, and personally, I find that works brilliantly for me. Yeah, this whole community that I'm trying to create is about getting men talking because. I've got a group of mates that would absolutely slaughter me as well for just for, you know, walking in the room and, and, and that's how it should be. They're your closest friends. They take the piss out of you no matter what. Yeah. Um, but I'm lucky that I've kind of taken that step and I've, asked, and I've opened up to these guys and, you know, one of the two of them might go a little bit quiet, but the other ones, you know, when you get them on their own, you find that they open up to you too. And, and that's, you know, you, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to call myself brave then, but you know, I've taken that first step to see the reaction I get and no one's thought anything less of me. And that's what I want to encourage guys to do to kind of take that first step and open up to your mates because yes, the, the, the conversation would be quite serious, but and afterwards they'll just tear you a new one, like, like you would expect them to do anyway. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it, there's a, there's so much bravado and, um, yes, you can't be seen to be weak in front of all your mates, but you're exactly right. You sit down and talk to people one-on-one, then, you know, listen, I've had a, a fairly varied life with accidents and business and mental issues, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not the only one. Mm. You know, everybody has their own. I tell you, I'm probably one of the only ones that's opened up about it in my circle of friends mm-hmm. but you actually sit and talk and talk to them you know we all have issues everybody has their their demons or whatever it's just the level of them isn't it and and how people people deal with it really um Absolutely. but i wouldn't want i wouldn't want to be have a relationship with my friends where they felt they couldn't take the piss out of me because i became too sensitive mm-hmm yeah, you know, cause I'll take the piss out of the next person. You know, people who know me know I spend half my life taking the piss out of people. Yeah. Um, but there's taking the piss, and there is sticking a knife in, mm-hmm. in there, and it's the it it's the real, actually quite nasty taking the piss out of people who 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 have had problems and issues. I I don't I don't get that at all. Um, taking the piss just for a laugh. I think life would be very boring if we didn't take the piss out of each other. It, it, it's the British male way, I think, isn't it? Really, I mean, you know, we've all kind of grown up with that, and it, it, it's what we're used to. Um, 
Ollie, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a couple of points from your LinkedIn post just so if anybody's not seen this, um, uh, and it, it's what caused it to kind of go viral because you it felt like to me, um, and I haven't asked you this, it felt like you just literally sat down and you you kind of poured your heart out a little bit. Um, and it starts off just very simple. It just says, this man is 47. This man runs a business and employs 130 people. This man worries a lot and sleeps badly. And then you take a, a, a quite a, a sideways angle and go, this man fell 40 foot off a balcony. This man spent 12 days in intensive care. This man taught himself to walk again. So straight away, I'm seeing those those first three uh, well, the first two, okay, there's a fax. Third, third one where you're talking about your your worry and your sleep, you're starting to open up. And then you tell us a bit of a story about falling off a balcony, intensive care, learning to walk again. I mean, straight away, I want to read the rest of that list. But I've got 68 questions about the first six things that I read off that list. <laughs> um, so I don't know where to start with that one, really. But, you know, it, it, in I, I, was this a cry for help maybe or was it just a cathartic thing that you said that you know you like to do when you write um i don't think it was a cry for help to be honest i don't it was more of a you know that that list is that there's no bullshit in that list that's what's happened to me mm-hmm. and i guess um i guess i found it quite cathartic i don't think i've ever i've ever put it all down in one hit if you like because yeah. I've never had the opportunity to, you know, I went, I, I did counselling for four months. To be honest, I thought it was the biggest waste of time because it just didn't work for me. Um, now, did it not work for me because I didn't understand myself as well then as I potentially do now? You know, my, my I had a, a business fallout in 20, 2018, 2019, and I, re- I, I really struggled with that I really found that hard and it made me stand back and look at myself a lot more um and actually try and understand myself because Mm -hmm. if you don't understand yourself how can you expect other people to understand you you know we're never going to fully understand others but I I I kind of accepted I'm quite a complicated character in Mm -hmm. in certain parts and then but then you actually write all that down and you kind of understand it yourself why yeah <laughs> you're a bit complicated but you know you, you we're all made up of experiences and dna from you know parents so every you know if and, and as the age-old saying goes if we all were exactly the same the world would be a very boring place yeah um now you know i i, I can relate uh, uh in a in business terms of, of having a business fallout i fell out with one of my best friends uh, who we started a business together. And then for my own issues, I just completely backed out, bottled it, ran away. And he couldn't understand why. And I wasn't prepared to tell him. Um, and, you know, that was that's something that, fortunately now, this guy is still one of my best friends. And I have sat down with him and said, this is how I was feeling at the time. And I had no idea what I was going through. But I was suffering huge anxiety over yeah. what this business could become and I felt that I shouldn't be part of that I had to back away from that because I wasn't ready to run something of that sort of size yeah I mean it's that I've, t- I've talked on a, another podcast about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and having that feeling of being in a position you don't deserve to be in but actually now 
we all get into positions we deserve to be in because we we wouldn't be there. You know, it's it's highly unlikely. Again, it's the self confidence issue, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of um, you know, believing you're not good enough to be somewhere where actually we should all believe that we are good enough to be somewhere. Um, And I kind of had that in my previous role. I will caveat that with, I was always pretty much told that I was not good enough to be there. Um, And when somebody tells you something enough, you start to believe it. Yeah. Uh, And it's a, that's one of the hardest things is to try and, gain the inner strength to to make yourself believe that you're actually not the person you're being constantly told you are mm. now it that sounds worse than it was that it was but i knew in my heart of hearts that my business partner didn't rate me um and he he, he pretty much told me uh, when it when it went to the end it, he 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 definitely made it pretty clear um so to actually pull yourself away from that, dust yourself down and take over this business mm-hmm. was probably one of my greatest achievements, I think. What, what did you learn from that process? You know, what, what wouldn't you do again next time around if that situ- situation were to uh, arise? What, going, but business-wise? Yeah, if you were made to feel that way by, by someone you were working with. Um, do you know what? Every... Uh, every day I regret that I let that go on for as long as I did. Mm. Now that's not his fault. That's my fault because I allowed that to happen. Um, but I kind of knew when I was going into it, I, I was single when we first started the business in 2003, I'd, I'd been traveling in Australia. I'd come back I was desperate to go to Australia, back back to Australia. Um, arguably, my heart might not have been in it to start with. I don't know, mm. because you're single, you're a bit unsettled, you're living with your mum, you're 30. Um, but I just, I just kind of knew it. I wasn't comfortable with what I was doing because I had a feeling from the character I was going into business with who I'd known a long time and is a, is a good guy, nice guy. Mm -hmm. Um, we were just too different and it would always be an uphill struggle. Um, but if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't be here today. You know, everything happens for a reason. Um, and it was successful. You know, we started as two, two people and it was a 15 million turnover business when I left. Um, the actual fallout of it was so unnecessarily acrimonious that it could have been handled so differently. And that's, that's why we don't talk now. You know, it's, it's pretty sad, but I will, I can walk out with my head held high the way I think the way it was handled was, and do you know what? It's not just me that thinks that the people involved in it, all the professionals, um, the accounts people, the, mm-hmm third party business consultant that was um flown in to to tell me that I was in his words less value to the business they all they were all on my side at the end and they all they're the guys ironically who were who've been employed to 
to sort it out with telling me to get out. So, you know, it kind of says everything really, doesn't it? And then you, well, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. And you get out and then you take what sounds like to be, well, I, I, again, I, I, you know, reading in your post, you, you took all your money and invested it in your family business. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, and a family business that wasn't doing too well at the time? No, I mean, I, I would say it was, it wasn't losing money, but it certainly wasn't breaking any records, you know, it was um, it, just keeping its head above water. It was very, you know, I walked, I always walked in here and said it's like walking into a business in 1992. Right. Uh, and it was no different to then at all. Um so yeah, I, d- I had two, I had two choices really. I, you know, I took some half decent money out of my fifty percent of my previous business. I had enough to pay off mortgage, kids through school, do that. Um, I'd still had to have found another job because um, I didn't have enough. Certainly didn't have enough to retire. Um, or this opportunity opened up. You know, the absolute sensible thing to have done. So my previous business was freight forwarding. Magnus Group is a transport warehousing company. Mm -hmm. A 9 million turnover. My previous was 15. Put them together for a lot less. Buying the 40% was less than what I ended up taking out personally. So for my previous business, it would have been a lot less expensive. Um, put them together, you've got a 25 million turnover business overnight with your own transport, warehousing, um, and freight forwarding department. You've got synergies there, obviously. Um, yeah. But you'd have one accounts department, one transport department, one warehouse department, one forwarding department. You'd streamline everything. The money we paid for the shares, we would have made back um, it, it was so quickly. But, and, and, Again, this is another thing I regret is even after the fallout and the way the way it was handled, I even offered that to um, my ex-business, um, but it turned it down, which I'm so thankful to this day that it did because yeah. I've kind of, it made it a much bigger gamble for me personally, um, but those people who know me know I don't mind a gamble. Um, but you know, uh, I then lost the shackles of somebody who, who didn't rate me. I think it, uh, it would have been a, it would have been an issue for me to have, I'm just jumping from the frying pan into the fire mm. a little bit. Yes, we'd have been in, di- but I, I would have struggled with, um, somebody trying to take control of my father's business. Yeah. He set up, um, and, and I attacked it. I've, I attacked this very differently. Because even after I left, you know, after the acrimonious fallout, I'm, you know, I'm being told that the word on the street is that I'm never going to make a success of it. Um, I've been carried for years. I didn't have it in me to make a success. Do you know what? That, That just gives you that extra drive to stick two fingers up. I think it's so disrespectful. You know, my, my mum was calling me telling me that this was what she was hearing from mutual friends and all that sort of thing. All friend, you know, friends of my father's and all this sort of thing are being told that Ollie's useless. He's never going to make a success of it. Just so unnecessary. So unnecessary. 
and that obviously drove you on to make it successful or turn it, you know, make it a, a more successful business than it already was. Yeah, I, I tell you what I think it did do is it made me think, fuck it more. What's the worst that can happen? Uh, yeah. It made me it made me go bigger than I possibly would have done previously because, mm-hmm. you know, if you tell me I, I, I can't run 100 metres in 20 seconds or 10 seconds, I'll give it a go just to prove you wrong. Um, and when somebody says I can't do it, do something, you know, so disrespectfully as well. Yeah. Um, it kind of it kind of gives me that extra twenty five percent, which is either either a good thing or a bad thing because to, I have taken some decisions here that no sane person would have done. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But actually, we come out the right side of it. You know, you have to back yourself. I always say. I was put on LinkedIn about backing yourself. I didn't back myself for a long time. Mm. And you have to back yourself. You have to believe in yourself and get get the people in, get a team in, you know, I'm all I'm all about the team. It really feels like the 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 the, the disrespect you have from your old business partner has driven you on to make the new business successful. But obviously, there's that family side of things as well, isn't there? You know that, that this is your this is your family business. You've taken it back over, and now you're pushing it forward. Um, what what kind? I mean, I, there, there's a question towards the end where I talk about legacy. But you know, what 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 are your hopes for the business now? My hopes for the business. Well, my my the first thing I needed to do when I came in here was uh, turn it around from being a business on the ropes. You know, I always think of it like a boxer that. It was one one big punch away from a knockout. You know, we're we're back up now. We're and we're fighting back. You know, we're we're we've turned it. We've we haven't fully turned it around, but we are certainly in a lot stronger position than than we were previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what my hope my hope the 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 thing about this business is there is no ceiling to where it can go. You know, I I have a my life ambition is to have a office in Sydney okay because that's where my father was from and it's just I love Australia been there eight nine times so that so that's kind of the sort of thing or you know overseas offices are you know uh, why why can't we I you know there's no I'm aiming for the moon if we hit the top of the trees then or the stars then then so be it yeah you know? but if you if you don't if you don't give things a go you you don't achieve um you have to you have to be careful with that you know as i said earlier i I don't mind a gamble but there's calculated gambles and there's reckless gambles yeah the right ones yeah i was going to touch on that because and i i truly believe you know believing in yourself and if your if your thoughts are negative the negative things are inevitably going to happen to you and if you're thinking positively or you're thinking ambitiously then you know you are much more likely to succeed but you have to make sure that you're doing that within a business model that looks like it's going to succeed surely yeah yeah of course you do and this is where I said potentially I've I took a couple of decisions that people thought were pretty pretty mad at the time potentially reckless but I never, th- I'm not stupid, you know, I'm the first to, to make out I am, but I'm not stupid. Um, I kind of, I kind of know 
the right gambles to take. However, nobody knows if it's going to fall on the right side, do they? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you make your own luck, don't you? I mean, one of, one of the decisions was to take on a double our warehousing within two months of being here. The opportunity arose. Uh, the warehouse next door became available. It was a probably right place, wrong time by six, eight months. However, took the gamble, went ballsy, um, and then COVID hit. Mm. And I've got a decent warehouse that's three quarters empty when retailers are screaming out for space because everything's all the distribution centers are shut. Um, the port is clogged up. You know, warehousing was at a premium, and I'm sitting there with a, a decent, very decent warehouse with space. You know, yeah. that's just luck, isn't it? But <laughs> if I hadn't have been ballsy, I wouldn't have been in that position to to have that space. Mm. You know, I, I benefited off the the misfortune of a of of a local haulier here, who I got in touch with, tried to help. Um, and they ended up taking some business off that that en- enabled me to then make the next next investment in Mark Oakley, who's my head of warehousing here as a director, top level. Um, and he he bought business with him and and warehousing now we're we've gone from from being not not empty. We were full, but we weren't making money. We were. And the reason is because we had crap cargo in there, you know, and and that's the break it to fix it model. And now, you know, warehousing is is making the money it should be, but it's been a painful process, but we've earned the right to to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you you, you took the, I I, I would imagine it was a a risk, but, uh, you know, you you looked at the the numbers and took that risk and, and you know, it paid off. Sometimes I guess it doesn't. No, it could easily have not paid off as well. Yeah, to be honest, you know, a, a lot of the the reason I filled that and both the you know we since then we've taken on another eighty thousand square foot down in Felixstowe. Okay, if you'd have told me six months ago um, when we we're trying to fill these warehouses here with the right cargo that we'd be taking on additional eighty thousand square foot down in Felixstowe, I'd have asked to smoke what you're smoking. You know? <laughs> Um, just never in a million years. But this is why things happen so quickly and the size of this business, such small margins. But, you know, you can win you can win quickly, but you can lose equally as quickly. And that's why you have to be on top of things all the time, which is, you know, I'd never have done this on my own. That's why I was so intent on surrounding myself with, with experts, mm-hmm. if you like. You know, I, I, I'm an expert in nothing, uh, you know, but... Uh, departmental experts. I bought a guy who's ex- an expert in warehousing. Someone who's an expert in transport. Someone who's an expert in freight. You know, I understand them all. I've, I was a freight forwarder, so you do bits of everything. Hmm. But I'm not an expert in any of them. And to try and manage this, you know, we're saying about micromanaging. You could never, in a million years, micromanage a business this size. Um, you have to get a team of people who who feel valued and and it's that two-way respect again you know and that's a challenge it's a real challenge to try and make people feel inclusive and bring bring that team team feel back to the business that's 
if we're honest, it's lost it over the 20 years. Um, but it's a really difficult thing to try and do, try and make everyone feel part of it. I mean, you're, you you come across as you know fairly typically British in you know self-deprecating. I'm an expert in nothing. I would say, Ollie, you must be an expert in people because you are able to bring together the right people to make sure that a business runs successfully and and, and is growing. So um, I'm going to give you that. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, it's it's a fascinating story. What I will do is I'll, I will repost your LinkedIn post so that when people listen to this episode, they can go to the, the show notes and see it because it's a, you probably didn't mean it to be profound, but it really is a very piece, a, a piece of profound literature, if you like. Um, and it certainly seems to have pushed you on, spurred you on and, um, and brought you the notoriety and attention that I think you deserve. And I, I'm, uh, well, that's why I'm talking to you today, Ollie. Thank you. <laughs> now, a couple of questions for you before we go. We always give these four questions to our, um, our guests on the podcast. Uh, so the first one for you then, uh, what do you think it takes to be a man in the 21st century? Oh, I knew you'd throw me a curveball. Um, it's very different, but yeah. Bear in mind, I grew up with an Australian father. It's probably a different, difficult question for me to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, in the twenty-first century, I think I think you have to be honest, and the word "vulnerable" is actually quite a, a, a word that's being used a lot around at, at the moment. And I think I think the, my use of that word in that this man post resonated with a lot of people. Uh, showing vulnerability I'm a big believer and we're all the same you know I'm no better than the guy I walk past in the street I may have made opportunities for myself or been given opportunities but we're all the same Um, I just I don't like people thinking they're better than people Mm -hmm. Um, and and we all have a vulnerable side and and actually I think it's I think it makes you real. It makes you authentic to be to be vulnerable. When I put that this man post on, somebody said to me, actually said to me, someone in your position should never be doing that. Should never be showing your vulnerability. Now, <laughs> I I totally disagree with that. Yeah. yeah, I think actually somebody in my position and and what's my position? I'm, I'm the I'm the dickhead who put lots of money into this business. That's all. That's all I am. You know, the the words CEO or managing director means nothing. Um, but actually, for people to see that somebody in who's taken the risks and the gambles and the, in, is in a position that I am in it is showing vulnerability. I, I think is is, is priceless. To be yeah. honest. Uh, and and it, it, you know I've interviewed professional sports people on this podcast, and you know when they are able to open up and, like you say, be vulnerable, it, you you are in effect, Ollie, a, 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 <laughs> you're a your person that puts you know you're a, you're a role model basically, um, and that's just society sees you as someone who runs a company, therefore you are a role, a role model. Um, but when someone like you can use that role model in a positive way which is exactly what you're doing by talking about vulnerability. So, so thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> Who has inspired or who's been the most influential person or people in your life? My dad, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
he um he taught he told me all sorts of shit growing up. He was he taught Ian both to play cricket, Mick Jagger to dance, did uh, <laughs> all that. Uh, um, but yeah, no, definitely my dad. Um, I would say probably my directors now inspire me, mm-hmm. and I hopefully I inspire them. Um, lots of people, you know, my family obviously have always been very supportive of me. Whatever I have, one of those mothers that if I went round and shot fifty people, she'd still support me. <laughs> um, so I can never do anything wrong with her. My sister, my wife, obviously my kids. Um, but business-wise, I'd say I'd say I'm more inspired now by the people I have working. I don't. I never say for me. I say with me. Mm-hmm. The guys I have working with me inspire me as much as hopefully I inspire them. Fantastic. We touched on this earlier on, but what sort of legacy would you like to leave? And it doesn't have to be a business legacy. What would you like to leave behind, Ollie? Um, I was actually talking about this a couple of days ago. Um, le- leaving a legacy is so important. I- I'd like to. I'd like to leave a legacy of being a nice person and doing good by people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was there. Uh, I want people at my funeral going, do you know what? He was a really good bloke rather than cool. He made a few quid and trampled over people. Yeah. You know, um, make money's in, I'm, I'm genuinely not money driven. I'm not status driven. I'm, I like to be liked, you know, I, I was in a boardroom once and somebody, somebody, kind of said it detrimentally about me that uh, Ollie just likes to be liked. Um, and somebody in the boardroom said, well, don't we all? Mm. You know, I don't see it as a negative that I like to be liked. I, I don't like to upset people. I'd like people to to think I was a, a, a good guy who tr- who tried to help people. I like helping people. I have, I have, I do have a very soft side and I, I do try. I, li- I like to help people in any way I can, which is is sometimes a bit of a, a bit of a problem because you can't help everyone. You know, I, you can't help everyone. I don't want to. I don't want people to be wanting me to help them all the time. But you know, I, I like people to help me as well, and it it works both ways. But yeah, my legacy. I'd like to. I'd like to leave, obviously. A successful business behind but more importantly i'd like people to to say do you know what he was he was a good good lad yeah yeah i like that i i i would like the same definitely so i can fully appreciate that right ollie nearly time to finish the most tricky question for you now and you are a family man you are a dad so you're an expert in this field please tell me your best dad joke oh my god um dad joke oh yeah it's not, it's really not funny but um my son always says it at school and they don't find it funny but whenever whenever anybody says um yes uh i'm from austria or talks about austria me, me and my son always go oh good day mate like that <laughs> and the amount of quizzical looks you get from people um, that they don't quite get that we're being ironic, but that's probably, and I, I nicked that from Dumb and Dumber, but it always makes me laugh. 
um, and obviously with my Australian connections. Um, but that's that's probably my worst dad joke. But it's gone round my son's school, so they probably all think I'm a nutter. Well, that's that's nice to have a dad joke that your son actually appreciates as well, though, surely. Yeah, yeah, but they probably just think he's not funny now, and he can blame me. That, that's the legacy you're leaving right there, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Listen, um, I, I just want to thank you for your time. Um, I, you know, I was uh, I was told about your story. Uh, I wanted to get you on the podcast because I think it's a great story to be told. Um, and you, you, I've never met you in person. You seem like a really nice bloke, and I want to have a beer with you. Ah, um, that, that's another one of my downfalls is I never turn a beer down. <laughs> um, so, so when I'm in Devon, or um, I might have to go and see Dan or something for this, yep. and then maybe we can hook up for um, it. W- the problem is it would be more than one beer, it would have to involve a few and a curry. Damn, well. I mean, the Dan that we're talking about, our mutual friend, literally lives on my doorstep. So if you're if you're visiting him, then beer and curry is on the cards. Yeah, it's just it's it's a long old way down there, so I'd have to stay for three days. So it might turn <laughs> to a three day curry and beers. I mean, it's getting worse as you go along. I can't believe it. What, what a bind. Uh, Ollie, if if, um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, certainly from a work situation or if they just wanted to kind of, you know, thank you for your story or if there's any questions they have for you, how is, what's what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, LinkedIn, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, don't ask me what my LinkedIn um is it handle? I don't even know what they call it. Well, now. I think if they just search for your name, which is Ollie yeah. Magnus, there's there's probably not too many Ollie Magnuses out there. No, but one way to wind me up is to spell my name wrong. Yeah, yeah. O double L Y. It's when people it's when people send you messages. I and it's it's O double L I E O L I. And actually, the message they're replying to is from O double L Y. No. And I do have a couple of friends. Um, who do it just to piss me off? They know because it winds me up. So I probably shouldn't say this now because everyone will, will do it because they know it grates me. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, I guess, or via the website. I don't know. We really, really know. I mean, the website is magnusgroup.co.uk. Um, but yeah, but LinkedIn was probably the best platform for me. Fantastic. Uh, a lot more supportive than the other ones, I always think. Um, I couldn't agree more. And I, I work in social media, so I, uh, c- I completely comply with that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Ollie, again, just thank you for your time. You're obviously, you know, you are a busy man. You run a big company. You've got lots of staff to look after. And you've given me, you know, the best part of an hour of your time. So I appreciate that. Um, thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, and I just want to wish you and your family continued success. Thank you very much, Matt. Now, at the start of this, you know, how, we, how I said it was really sunny. Yeah. It's now hosing it down with rain. Um, I mean, you know, we do live in the UK. We've got to expect a little bit of rain every now and then, haven't we? I know, but it's nearly June. (laughs) Exactly. It's British summer, surely. There's a bank holiday on the way. It's going to piss down. We didn't have this last year, did we, when we were all stuck in the garden? uh, (laughs) And we can't get out, and it's lovely weather. But there we go. Good. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Who Needs Instructions podcast. We release a new episode every week, so make sure to subscribe and we'll speak to you again soon.